Ajari ji, uh, I have somehow discovered that being a little altruistic, being a little selfless does make me feel that I am elevating my consciousness. That is what works for me. And there is this one problem associated uh, with this kind of nature is uh, the problem of violation of boundaries. So suppose that uh, I want to help this person and uh, I may put in effort to help this person. This is inherently linked with a kind of guilt at some point of time if I choose not to help that person, right? Uh, this leads me to, viol to violate my own interests at times. This makes me feel guilty when I want to say no. This makes me uh, not call out people who have mistreated me or in such scenarios. So how do we deal with this? How do we define that boundary that uh, up to this boundary, I am ready to, you know, extra commit extra, but then when this boundary is crossed, this is it. How do we define that? See, altruistic behavior or uh, helpfulness, these are not ends in themselves. However, they are uh, often recommended or taught because mostly they go uh, hand in hand with an elevated state of consciousness, mostly, but not always. Hmm? You have to remember what is the end and what is just a medium. Helpfulness is a medium, not an end in itself. You have to ask, is the helpfulness really delivering what anything is supposed to deliver? What anything must deliver to be of any worth? If helpfulness is delivering that, only then what you are doing can be called as help in the real sense of the word. Otherwise it is not help. Somebody comes begging to you, help me, help me please, help me. Give me some cocaine, please help me. And he is desperate, he is crying, he is begging. Hmm? The only help he seeks from you is the powder that he wants. Now here, you have to be very clear about the real meaning of the word help. Now in this instance, help as we usually know it is not aligned with elevation of consciousness, right? As we normally use the word help, help is about giving something to the one who desperately needs it, right? A fellow comes begging desperately for something, you give that thing to that person, it is called help. That's the normal usage of the word. But here, this case highlights clearly how help can be very disastrous. 
which means that help etc all the so called good qualities are not ends in themselves any good quality is good only to the extent it elevates consciousness beyond that that good quality is of no use beyond that that good quality is in fact bad now because we do not know that the real objective is consciousness itself hence we keep overdoing the so called good things and also we keep absolutely rejecting the so called bad things now giving poison to someone is a bad thing right giving poison to someone is a bad thing is it not generally yes what else do you give as anti venom to a person suffering from snake bite but if you tell someone you know i just poisoned him you give somebody an anti venom shot and then go and tell a random stranger on the road there is a person inside i poisoned him he will declare you a criminal he'll probably call the police this fellow just poisoned somebody the fact is that poison in this case is life saving so even poison is not something necessarily to be avoided help is not necessarily good poison is not necessarily bad these are not ends in themselves the end has to be remembered the end in the case of human beings our species is consciousness what is this thing doing to my mind how do i know whether a relationship is good or not ask what is it doing to my mind no other criteria is valid only this what is it doing to my mind the mind's nature is realization freedom simplicity truth is this relationship setting me free is it bringing me closer to the truth or is it pushing me into deeper bondage so always remember the the one thing that you need to remember all else is secondary we all know how important vaccines are and you for sure know as students of science what you put into your body as vaccine what is it weakened or you know dead germs mm. it's a diluted dose of the virus itself right yes so even getting infected is not necessarily bad that's what all the research labs and who and all the doctors are doing they are putting the virus in your body hmm? you tell someone i just put the virus in that fellow's body he will say you see irresponsible and hateful you have to remember the end if the end is remembered practically anything can be a means to that end if the end is remembered no means is important only that particular means is important that leads to the end at any particular moment and you don't need to stick to any particular means
because life changes, so means have to change. The end alone is changeless, the end alone is endless. Everything else must come to an end, except the end itself. I was trying to investigate uh, like what you were saying in my own life, just to figure out where this dynamic is visible maximum. And uh, I figured out that it is visible maximum in scenarios where I am not clear whether uh, the person who is asking help is the help is actually <clears throat> is actually going to benefit them or not. Or I should I should be more clear and I should be more truthful and I say that where I feel that I become weak enough to not to not be able to see them in a state of pain of immediate pain but benefit in the long run because I may know that this right now is painful for them but may be beneficial for them in the long run but then I become weak as soon as the people grow closer to me. To choose that weakness for them. Then you have to intelligently operate. Obviously, uh, as human beings, you want to uh, help the other get rid of his immediate pain. Hmm? Here, here you need to be a bit tactful. Here you need to operate in a way where uh, both the things happen. To some extent, the current pain reduces. And uh, mostly, the fellow is enabled to not to fall in pain again. You see, that's the characteristic of real help. If you are helping someone really, then you would be reducing his need to seek help again and again. So test your action of help on this criteria. I've helped him in this instance. Now, is this enabling him to operate independently of uh, any help or will he come repeatedly to me to again seek help? Reduce his need to be helped, that's the real help. just one final doubt where this has been pointed to and that is say when we talk about scenarios like romantic relationships that are based on the inherent uh, you know I don't know uh, how do I put this there is this kind of need or there is this identity association with the other person and uh, so we have this scenario that if we actually enable them that they no longer feel the need of that relationship. If we truly enable them that we, they no longer feel that that relationship may add value to them in the future, then this actually may be the point where that, uh, that the point where the relationship starts getting destroyed. And scary thought, right? If that fellow no longer needs my help, why will the relationship exist at all? 
does that not help if if that fellow no longer feels that this is something he can come to in the need of crisis he must come to so if that if that fellow is no longer needy if that fellow is no longer needy will the relationship exist at all is that not a very disturbing or rather scathing comment on the nature of most of our relationships they are need based you fulfill my need you scratch my back i scratch your back hmm? not good to hear hmm? and much worse to live <laughs> and your fear is that if this uh, mutual dependence is no more there then the relationship would cease to exist yes the relationship would cease to exist in the form it currently exists and the current form is hardly any good don't you agree the relationship right now is mutually parasitic two parasites feeding upon each other i can't live without you you can't live without me i suck your blood you suck my blood and the deeper is your dependency the more you say you love me hmm? this is just not good this is just not good and also relax when you are mentally evolved that does not mean that uh, you are left with zero relationships you are left with healthy relationships the problem is mostly we only know sick relationships so if we are told that uh, you can't have sick relationships that translates into we can have no relationships <laughs> hmm if i only have rotten fruits on my table and somebody says you can't have rotten fruits to me that translates into you can't have any fruits because everything is rotten <laughs> don't 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 be afraid nice juicy fresh fruits do exist and all of us are eligible for them hmm? there is no need to discount your eligibility there is no need to think that uh, life is condemned to be lived in stinking relationships things can get better even with the same person you can have a much better relationship hmm? the persons need not necessarily change even with the two or three or five whatever persons remaining the same the relationship can be completely new and healthy but that will require obviously a lot of work discipline a lot of love actually a lot of wisdom you cannot just uh, operate on the back of your normal personal social knowledge and hope to have a truly healthy relationship that won't happen knowledge of the kind that can transform a relationship 
can come only from spiritual sources, not social sources. TV and media and stand-up comics and your neighbor and apocryphal wisdom will not enable you to have true relationships. All you will have is replicas of the kind of relationships you see all around you. In family, in the neighborhood, in the movies, in the past, in social media. Don't you see relationships there? So wisdom coming from those very same sources will not allow you to have better relationships. You require wisdom from elevated sources if you want elevated relationships. So if I can just uh, extend this and ask a final question. Of so, uh, so what according to you should be kind of uh, the metric based on which we should evaluate whether this person, this relationship that we have is actually healthy for us or not. To begin with freedom, have you been engaged or encaged? Mostly when you are engaged, you are actually encaged. Freedom. The true self is another name for freedom. And ego is another name for bondages. Any relationship that brings bondages to your life is just not the real thing. Wisdom. Can you see things in a, in a sharper light? Does the person, I mean, there's this recent thing I said to someone. Does the person bring you roses or books? Is that not a credible enough indicator? That one of the diseases of consciousness is body identification. The more body identified your consciousness is, the, the more lowly is the life you are living. Is the person making you more of a body? In the presence of that person, do you feel more bodily, more body identified? Does the person look at you primarily as a body? Run away. It's a very, very bad relationship. What is the content of the usual discussion between the two of you? Is it about wisdom? Or is it just mediocre, animalistic, body-centric gossip? What do the two of you do when you get together? Do you talk literature? Do you talk wisdom? Do you talk science? Do you talk climate change? Do you talk philosophy? 
or do you talk breasts and hips? You have to figure out, there are very powerful indicators, you cannot miss them unless you are intent on deliberately missing them. Sutika, you can go ahead with your follow-up question. Namaskar Acharya ji. I'm Shrutika and I'm a second year undergraduate from the Department of Mechanical Engineering. So as Devang was talking about saying no to people and like give like giving focus on your own things. So I have observed this mostly happens in work related relationships. Uh, for example, like we have our colleagues and like they need help from us. But at times this happens that uh, we are busy with personal stuff and like we won't be able to help them. And as Devang said, after some time you have that regret that you were not available for that person. So I had the same question like due to that regret, you keep on giving up, like giving to that person, giving in. And every time what we do is that we sacrifice ourselves. So to what extent sacrificing is right? Well, sacrificing is something wonderful. But what is the definition of sacrifice? What is sacrifice? Giving up on something of little value for the sake of something of higher value. That's sacrifice. And therefore, sacrifice is an affirmative thing. It's a constructive, productive thing. Sacrifice is not just about negating or uh, renouncing. Sacrifice is actually about creating. Sacrifice is about creating something. Sacrifice is not a negative word. Sacrifice is the most positive word you can think of. Positive in the sense of it being very pro-life. It being creative, constructive. It gives rise to something. In fact, you cannot create anything worthwhile. If you do not sacrifice uh, something relatively worthless, or can you? I'm pretty sure at this moment all of you had other competing things uh, to do as well. At least I had a lot of other things that I could have done at this very moment. I sacrificed on those things to be here with you and I'm glad I did. Because this in my assessment is a higher thing to participate in. No? So there always are these trade-offs. What is sacrifice? Sacrifice is a great trade-off. And that's why even in the most ancient of scriptures, you find the word sacrifice. And you find it around the world. And obviously, sacrifice is not about slaughtering an animal or just uh, offering milk or something or money or clothes to the deity. Sacrifice is a much deeper psychological concept. Sacrifice is a recipe for mental health. You're getting it? Hmm? Now, 
if this is what sacrifice is, then uh, it should be easy for you to know whether you are sacrificing rightly. See whether your sacrifice is creating something bigger than the thing sacrificed. I gave up on something small, check whether something bigger has been created. Otherwise it's a bad trade-off, no? To give up on 10 rupees for the sake of 2. Poor arithmetic. Similarly, poor sacrifice. Getting it? The, the rider here is that in real life, things are not so easy to quantify. You will not know whether something is worth rupees 2 or 10 very easily. Especially if stuff is intangible. For example, you have to sacrifice your pizza for your sister. Now the pizza you know costs rupees 400. But what's the quantum of love or affection between you and your sister that's aided by the sacrifice that you cannot know? You also do not know whether giving up on the pizza was actually good for your sister. She might already be fat. She might already be addicted to pizza. That's where you require wisdom. To know the value of something in life. Wisdom is essentially about having a sound value system. What is worth having? What is worth valuing? What is important? What is not? And what is important? To begin with, freedom is important, truth is important, clarity is important, compassion is important. These are important things and they have very high value. And if they have very high value, then something small can be sacrificed for them. Are you getting it? But if your sacrifice is not in the direction of love, truth, compassion, clarity, then your sacrifice is going waste. Then it is just an exercise in some kind of morality. This sacrifice will not help you or the sacrifice thing, or the one receiving the sacrifice. Yes, sir, but there are points like when you have that time, like there's this thing that my sister asked pizza from me. At that moment, I'll, I'm like, I will give it to her, right? And afterwards, I realized that that wasn't good for her. Even the times it happens that I won't give her the pizza. And afterwards, I feel that I didn't give her pizza, she's feeling bad. So this thing of regret, that's the re thing of regret you feel every time you do something. Like while doing it, I don't realize that. And after doing, after some time, that regret comes in. That regret is there only because you do not know the value of the thing sacrificed versus the thing obtained. Okay, let me clarify with an example. Hmm? Let's say... You come to know 
that uh, somebody sacrificed her entire bank account huh, for the sake of uh, a packet of peanuts. What would you say? You'll say it's a bad trade-off, right? Bad trade-off, right? Just for peanuts, she gave up on her entire bank balance. And there is regret now. He used the word regret, right? Now there is regret. Let's say you are that person and you will be very regretful. Oh, I have given up on my entire account for the sake of peanuts. But if you go closer and examine and find that your bank account had only two rupees, are you still regretful? That's the thing. You do not know the value of the thing, therefore you are regretting. Sacrifice must always involve something of smaller value compromised for something of larger value. Otherwise, there will be indecision and regret. You will just not know what has been lost and what has been gained. So, you will have mood swings. Sometimes you will feel, oh, something nice has happened. It's good I sacrifice. Sometimes you will change your mind and say, no, no, no. It was a bad decision. Because you do not concretely know the value of stuff. Value you can know only when you go close to something. You have to know that thing, you have to know yourself and that determines the value of the thing. Right? What is the value of something? The value of something is only as much as it aids your own liberation. That's the value of the thing. Something that takes you to freedom should never be sacrificed. Right? Something that brings you the truth should never be sacrificed because freedom and truth are invaluable. Whereas something that just feeds your body can be sacrificed, not a big deal. Something that just entertains you can be sacrificed, not a big deal. Hmm? Something that just feeds your ego, inflates you can be given up, not a big deal. The art of valuation, that's the real thing. Learn what is valuable in life, never sacrifice that. And for the sake of what is valuable, everything else can be sacrificed. Then there will be no regrets. In clarity, there are no regrets. Yes, sir. So, if we take the same thing in terms of time, like timing, like there's this one hour I have, I have to give it to myself or to my friend. So, in that case as well, so like this is the timing. So, how do I evaluate that whether this time is for, should I give it to myself, to me or to my friend? How do you shouldn't have been watching Netflix last two hours? Uh, because I know that this is a productive session. What is the definition of productivity? Uh, you gain something from it. What something? 
uh, anything like if i was i would have been watching netflix for no, two no, hours no. i would we have are, we are, we are not we are not having this conversation for anything there is something very concrete this session is for what is that thing Intensive. You tell me, what is the session for? Okay, so this session is for conversation between us and to. Conversation is the method. What is the aim of the session? To clear our minds and. Ah, so that's what is important. That's what has value: clarity. clear up your mind as you said clarity clarity so that will enable you to know where to spend that one hour spend that one hour where you get clarity avoid places where you get even more fogged up where even the clarity that you get gets um, surrounded by haze hmm? avoid people who who stand as obstacles to clarity who will not allow you to think freely who who put to put fear in your mind or tempt you with greed or who create situations in which you just cannot be attentive and look at life hmm? those are the things places and times to be avoided